Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we wrap up our two-week teaching series called Clearing the Way, where our communications pastor, Ben Jones, looks at scripture and how we can clear the way in our hearts and experience a real and personal Easter season. In week two, we look at how Jesus cleared the way for us to have a relationship with God. Right, wasn't that great? Our kids get to have so much fun here at church. And if you're new to Valley Point or maybe your kids just haven't had the opportunity to experience one of our Kid Point environments, I'd encourage you to let them do that. They work really, really hard out there to provide and make the Bible come to life in a really fun and exciting way for the kids. So let your kids benefit from what we have to offer them here at Valley Point. So Pastor Eric, our lead pastor, he's out of the country today. He's with a team of over 30 people from Valley Point in Guatemala. They're on a compassion trip, and things are going really good. They're, they're going to be doing a couple of things there. They're going to be building an orphanage. Now, there's some kids there who, who really have no place to go right now, and this is going to act as a new home for them a place where they can have warm meals and sleep in a warm bed at night. And I got a text from Eric. It's at 3.45 this morning. Not sure why he's texting at 3.45. I'm hoping he didn't drink the water and he's just been up all night. But he said things have been going good. And they actually yesterday were able to start uh, the foundation for this orphanage. So things are already happening. And they were able to do one of the medical centers already. They're, they're setting up some temporary medical clinics so that the people from the villages who, who have no doctor can come. And we have doctors in this church that went down to provide these services. And we collected items last week, some medical supplies that they're beginning to hand out already. And we collected some items for kids, some sports gear and different things that came last week for Love Week, and we're already beginning to give those out. So they have a lot, to, lot of work to do between now and Thursday, so keep them in prayer. And Eric will be back with us uh, next weekend. He'll be able to experience the whole Easter weekend with us. So if this is your first time, I hope you can make it back next week. Eric will be here, and you'll be able to hear him and meet him for Easter Sunday. And yes, I did say next week is Easter Sunday. Can you believe it? I know the weather's fighting us on this thing, but it is spring. It is official, although it might not feel like it. But spring brings along all sorts of fun things, one of which are these famous Easter egg hunts, right? We get to, how many of you had Easter egg hunts growing up with your family? A lot of us here. Yes, I had these, and I have two brothers. They're both older than me, so I'm the youngest of three boys. So this was a competition for us, just like everything was a competition for us. But we were going after the most eggs, all right? But we were going after one in particular. Anybody guess what that one egg is? The cash egg. Yes, the one that pays off. And we're all going for this, and I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because I'm the youngest. And so I still think my parents would help rig this so that I could find the cash egg. And I think they did it just to irritate my two older brothers, and I kind of get this because I have two kids now, and it's kind of fun to do things for the younger one just to irritate the older one. You know what I mean? That's kind of evil, but it's kind of fun too. And my dad's here with us today. This is Jerry Jones. 
Not that Jerry Jones. So yeah, no booing. This is a different Jerry Jones. But a funny story about that, they did live in Dallas for a couple of years. And for those of you who might not know, I'm sure you all do, but Jerry Jones is also the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And so my mom gets a, a call on her cell phone one day. She doesn't recognize the number, and she answers it. And this, this guy just begins to, to yell at her and begin to curse at her, telling her how bad her husband's running the team. And she didn't know what was going on. She just hangs up on the guy. Later, sort of gets filled in on what was going on. But I, I guess apparently some fan thought that the Jerry Jones in the phone book was the Jerry Jones. Go figure. And my dad's convinced that it was a Philadelphia fan that was calling. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. And I would never ask you to admit this publicly, but we do all know that the youngest child is the parent's favorite child, right? <laughs> Sorry, all you oldest children and middle children. I'm just kidding, kind of. But then I start dating, who is now my wife, Courtney. And I go over to her family's house, and they, they were never really able to, to get over the whole Easter egg hunt thing because we're we get done with lunch and we're all sitting around and everyone starts getting really excited about this Easter egg hunt and I'm confused by this because I'm looking around and there's no kids there's just teenagers and adult children and they're like do you want to get in on this I'm like ah I don't I don't really know I think I'm kind of past all that and then she proceeds to lean over and she's like Ben there's there's a cash egg involved I'm in. That's all I needed to hear. I was ready to go. It turns out I'm actually pretty shallow when it comes to Easter egg hunts. But we've all had different traditions, and we're in this uh, Easter season now. And Christians all over prepare for Easter in a lot of different ways. It's a lot of different traditions, a lot of different philosophies, but they all sort of boil down to the same idea. And it's really putting your focus and attention into things like prayer and personal reflection and thankfulness, and generosity. And if you haven't begun that process yet, it's okay. There's still time, but it is time. It's only a week away, so we got to get busy with this. And last week, we were able to start this process a little bit. And set, We said that if you want an encounter with God this Easter, then you really need to start on the inside, that we need to begin to clear the way in our hearts to be able to hear from God. We said there's some steps that the Bible gives us some proper preparation that we can take in order to begin to clear the way in our hearts for an encounter like this to be able to happen. The first step we said was to humble your heart. And this has to happen because nothing else can happen until this does because God hates arrogance. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. He's the enemy of the proud. And when you think about it, when you have arrogance and pride inside of your life, you're really not too concerned with anybody else. You don't care what they're saying. You know what I mean? You're only focused on what's important and what matters to you and what benefits you. And it's going to be very hard for you to hear from God as well. So that's step one, humble your heart. And then we said, you've got to ask God for this. If you want an encounter with him, ask him. He wants us to ask. He's told us to ask. If you want something from me, then ask. But we said, you need to be prepared to do more than just ask. You also need to be willing to sacrifice for this. And we talked about this idea of fasting. And traditionally, this term, fasting, just meant to go without food, to go without eating for a set period of time. A more, traditional, or a more modern spin on that would be to 
fast from activity, to remove something enjoyable from your life so that you can make some more room for prayer and personal reflection. And so I put out this challenge and said, figure out something this week that you can give up, or actually between now and Easter, that can act as a consistent reminder in your life to, you know, spend some time in prayer and reflection. And so I put out this challenge last week, and since I asked you all to do it, I thought it might be a good idea if if I actually did it too. And so I did. And I actually fasted one meal a day all last week. And I can't say that it was the funnest thing I've ever done because I was hungry sometimes, but that's not the point of it anyways. The point of it is to put in a consistent reminder, and it did that, to, to spend some time in prayer and to thank God for his sacrifice, especially in this season that we're in now. And I'd encourage you, if you missed last week, to, to do that this week. From now until Easter Sunday, figure out something that you can fast from in your life, just to add as a reminder to do some of that this week. And we said, lastly, you've you got to be prepared to respond. So if you ask God for an encounter with him, and he begins to do a work in your heart, there's going to be some things that come to light that aren't real pleasing to him. We all have sin in our hearts. And so when, when we recognize that, we need to be ready to deal with it. And that's not always fun. But the truth is all, God is always talking to us. He's always trying to get our attention. But until we take some proper preparations in our heart, it's going to be very, very difficult to hear from him this season. So I hope that you can embrace some of these steps and begin to clear the way in your hearts so that you can have an encounter with him. Ask for it. Be willing to sacrifice for it. When you think of this word sacrifice, there's no better example of this than Jesus, right? And this is Palm Sunday, the day we take out some time to reflect and remember the days and the events leading up to Easter weekend. And the big idea that we're going to try to land on today is this, that Jesus cleared the way for us to have a relationship with God. Jesus cleared the way for us so that we can have a relationship with God. And in the rest of our time together today, we're going to spend some time and reflect and remember this story, what it means for us today. Would you pray with me before we go on any further? God, thank you for what this day represents. Thank you for what this season represents. Help us now to take a little bit of time and look through your word and kind of take away some some meaningful thoughts from what this story means to us. Pray that you would continue to protect the team now that's in Guatemala that you would give them success, that you would open up as many doors as possible for them to show your love to people who so desperately need it. And I thank you for this day, and help us now navigate through your word and your scripture. Amen. So we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 21 is, is where we can find this story. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, the verses will be on the screen for you as well. But we're going to start in verse 1. It says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. 
Jesus sent two of them, two of the disciples, on ahead. He said, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there and its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. He will immediately let you take them. This took place to fill a prophecy, which is found in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah. That said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and sat on it. And then it begins, most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, praise God or Hosanna for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God, Hosanna in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They were all asking. The crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this is the story that goes along with today. Just in case you're wondering why you came to church today and a bunch of kids started filing in, waving palm branches around, this is it. And that's just a fun way for them to engage with us to remember this day and history as well, too. And that's a great story for kids. It really is. But it's more than a great story. And it's more than just for kids. It's for you. And it's for me. And there's some deep meaning within this story. You know, in fact, this piece of Scripture represents who Jesus was gives us a picture of who God is, what he's all about, and what he wants us to be all about. So we're going to take a look at some of the symbolism in this story, because there's a lot of it. That's what makes this story so fascinating and meaningful. So let's take a look at a few things that can sometimes be easily overlooked when you're going through uh, this story. Uh, But the first thing we see is that Jesus comes riding in on a donkey. So why is this so significant? Why is there so much attention given to the fact that he was on a donkey? I mean, the first seven verses of this chapter are dedicated to making it very clear that we know that he's riding on a donkey. Every record of this story in Scripture, none of them leave out this detail. So significant, in fact, that it was prophesied that it would happen this way. Remember in verse 4, This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey. Now, I just assumed that this was a pretty normal thing. I mean, there's donkeys around, and there's a donkey over there. Let's grab them. Jesus, sit on it, and let's go. That's just what people did. But Jesus actually made the disciples go out of their way to make sure that they grabbed this particular animal. Then there's a very important word that we also see in this verse. It says, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey. And this is our first thought for today, is that Jesus cleared the way for us with humility. Back in these times, people were used to seeing 
others riding donkeys around town. This was a common thing, but in this particular instance, it was very uncommon because they were also used to hearing stories of great kings and Roman leaders who would enter into a city victoriously on horseback because this was an extremely meaningful and powerful display of their success. This was their right as the king, as the victor. They got to claim victory, and they made, a, they made a great spectacle of the whole thing. And kings of that time, they weren't known for their humility. Great leaders in that time, uh, in fact, the, the, the religious leaders of that time, they weren't known for humility either. Exact opposite. They were known for arrogance and for the abuse of power. You know, kings would make laws. They could break laws. They could change laws. They were above the laws, and they knew it, and they would expose that and use that to their advantage whenever they would see fit. So Jesus was coming in as king, but he was doing it in a way that no one had ever seen before, at least from a king. He was clearing the way with humility, not riding on the horse, which represented greatness and power and wealth, and all of the things that should represent a great king. He was doing it on the back of an animal that represented humility. Doing something a common peasant could be seen riding on. There's another story that Matthew gives us in the same uh, uh, general area in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, and we kind of walk in in the middle of an argument that the disciples are having with each other, a debate going on here. We're going to walk in and see what's going on. It's kind of funny. After, about, or after that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they're kind of wanting to know, Jesus, kind of when we die and we're in heaven now, who, who's going to be the greatest? What's going to make someone great in heaven? I mean, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you're having a debate with some friends and one of them just says, well, let's just go ask Jesus. I think that can pretty much end the debate right there. So they do this. They bring it to him, and this was his response to them. He said, Jesus called a little child to him, put the child among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to elaborate a little more of what he meant He says, so anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Probably not the answer that they were looking for. And Jesus had already told his disciples that you need to be humble. He already told all of the crowds and all the people who listened to his teaching, you need to be humble. Now, Jesus is showing them this is how to be humble. Jesus was saying, I'm clearing the way, but I'm going to be doing it in a way like you've never seen before. I'm going to clear the way with humility so that you now can see how to clear the way in your own lives with humility. It's pretty cool that we have a humble God, isn't it? Another uh, very significant thing that the donkey symbolizes, this is our thought number two for today, is that Jesus cleared the way for us with peace. No, the symbolism of the donkey in the, in the Eastern tradition is that it was an animal of peace. 
as opposed to a horse, which was an animal of war. You know, a king would ride a horse when he was bent on war, and he would ride a donkey when he wanted everybody to know that he was coming in peace. So just think about it. You're the gatekeeper of a city, and you see a great king on a giant horse running full speed at you with an army behind him. It's going to be a bad day for you in your city, and you know it. But now picture you're the gatekeeper, and you look out, and you see a king sort of waddling back and forth uh, at a pace you could probably outrun on the back of a donkey. Not that intimidating. And that was the whole idea. They wanted people to know, look, I'm coming in peace. There's no need for you to worry. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem signified that he was coming as the prince of peace. Not as a war-raging king. He was coming to mend, to heal, to reconcile, to make right what had gone so horribly wrong. He was on a mission of peace, not of war. And this whole idea was, was actually talked about in the Old Testament as well, was prophesied. If we look in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, you might recognize this piece of scripture because it's kind of used around the Christmas season talking about Christ's birth. It says, for a child is born to us, the son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace, it'll never end. Isn't it interesting to think about the fact that it was a donkey that carried Jesus and Mary into Bethlehem? just before his birth. And now it's a donkey that carries Jesus into Jerusalem just before his death. And so now his birth, his life, and now his death are all characterized by humility and peace. This is also where the significance of the palm branches come into place. You see them lying on the floor over here and over there. And the the Palm branches actually signified in that day triumph and victory. And there's a couple of occasions in the Bible that you'll see in Leviticus chapter 23 and Revelation chapter 7. Palm branches were used to celebrate victory and triumph. Jesus was claiming victory here, and he wasn't apologizing for it. He wasn't telling anybody to stop what they were doing. He was allowing this to happen. He's saying, I am king, and I am God. And I do have the authority. What I'm about to do, I'm going to clear the way for all of you to have a relationship with God. He had that right. Jesus was declaring victory before his death. He was declaring victory before his resurrection had even occurred. And then finally, our last thought that we're going to pull out of this today is that Jesus cleared the way for us with a purpose. This is where it gets most meaningful for you and I. Jesus knew exactly what he needed to do. He even paid attention along the process to the details of how it was said that it was going to go down so that he followed everything that the prophet said would happen. He was laser focused on what he needed to do. He knew that some of these very people who were smiling at him and praising him, saying, Hosanna, you're great, you're our king, you're our God, the very next week, 
would be screaming at him with such hatred, saying to crucify him. This must have been such a surreal day for Jesus because you've got everybody singing their praises, finally recognizing this is King. This is King Jesus. This is God. The disciples must have been so relieved. It's all smooth sailing from here. He's finally taken his seat as king. He's going to overthrow the government. He's going to set all the religious leaders straight now. This is it. This is the time. It's happening right now. But only Jesus knew that this was not the time. That it's such a day of celebration for everyone around him. But in this very moment, he knew that in just a few days, he was going to get betrayed. He'd be abandoned. He'd be arrested, beaten, and crucified. But still, in this moment, unwavering with all of this going on in his mind, he took his position with a laser purpose, laser-focused purpose. And he followed through. And nothing was going to stop him or waver him off course. Jesus took the humble position of a servant. He came in peace to a crowd who would later turn against him. And he followed through with a purpose. Jesus was clearing the way. He was making it possible for something else to happen. This day, it wasn't the end game But it needed to happen in order to get there. All of this needed to happen so that Jesus could clear the way for us to be able to have that relationship restored with God. So what are some takeaways for us? What are some things that we can take from this story and take with us out the door? I think the first thing we can all think about is this. To be awake to what Jesus did. Don't brush this to the side. Don't overlook this, not now, not at Easter. If, you're, if you have a relationship with Christ, and if you have embraced Him as your Savior, if you call Him Savior, then don't miss this opportunity to say thanks to Him. Honor Him this season by taking some time to stop and reflect and thank Him for the sacrifice that He's made for you. Don't miss this. Don't let the busyness of Easter Sunday sneak past you. The preparing for family and friends and lunches and dinners, don't miss it. It's more than that, and this is too meaningful. This is too important to overlook honoring your Savior on the most important day for us who call him Savior. We have some avenues that we wanted to prepare for you this week to to give you some opportunities to make this happen. First of all, we have our Good Friday experience right here at the middle school at 7 o'clock this Friday. So unless you have something that's absolutely vital for your life, you should move it. You should reschedule it. You should shift things around so that you can be here. This is going to be a very reflective experience. We're going to read scripture together and pray and sing and take communion will be a great opportunity for you to honor your Savior this Easter season. That's Friday. And then Saturday, 
we go and partner with Melmark. This is an organization that supports children and adults and their families who have developmental disabilities. We're taking over 100 volunteers to put on a great Easterific event for them. We're going to do egg hunts with some of them. We're going to do different activities with others. But we're going to show God's love to a group of people who are very near and very dear to his own heart. And you can sign up to be involved with that on your connection card today. When we do that, check off that part and you'll get all the information you need to make that happen. But honor your Savior this Easter by serving others. And then Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, next week, right here, 9.15 and 11 o'clock. I hope you're, you're able to be here. And I hope you invite somebody to join you. There's no better time to invite than Easter Sunday. Just about everybody's open to attending Easter Sunday. We have invite cards available for you, small ones. We have large brochures that you can put in someone's hand. You can give them as much information as you want. But, but use these. Take advantage of these resources and be here and honor your Savior and celebrate his death and his resurrection next week right here. Clear some space, make some sacrifices, and do that this Easter. And then lastly, our final takeaway is this. Let yourself be surprised this Easter. Perhaps you've never embraced a personal relationship with God before. You've seen it in others, and that's really great for them. That works for them. But what about you? Why don't you give it a shot this Easter? Cry out to God the best way that you know how and just see what he can do in your life. Give it a shot. What do you have to lose? And you might just be surprised at what he does. Or maybe you're here and you just have too much in your past. You think this cannot happen for you. It's just too late. Well, it can, and God wants it to. Cry out to him this Easter the best way that you know how. Ask him for an encounter with him and just see what happens. What do you have to lose? And you might just be surprised and what he does in your life. So let's clear the way in our hearts, on the inside, to hear from him this Easter. And then let's thank him for clearing the way for us. Let's not miss this. Be awake. Be awake to what Jesus did for you this Easter. And be awake to what that means for you. Jesus cleared the way for us to have a relationship with God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your sacrifice for us, for sending your son, your one and only son, to die in our place, to suffer like we can't even imagine, all because you wanted to be able to have a relationship with us again. We thank you for your sacrifice. Don't let us miss that. For those of us here who have not embraced you as king and as savior and has trusted in you alone to save us, God, I pray that those people would be surprised by you this Easter. Catch them off guard. Show them your love in a way like they have never seen and prepare their hearts to respond to you this Easter. For those of us who have embraced you, as our Savior. It's so easy to forget what that actually means. It's so easy to overlook that at times. 
God, help us not to do that this week. Not of any week, not this week, not Easter week. Help us to take some time to stop and reflect and thank you for your sacrifice. And even today, as we continue to sing and respond to you, help us to hear clearly what you have for us and be prepared to respond to you today. In your name I pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.